0: Take your Bibles to John chapter 10 this morning, John chapter 10. The reality of life is that we find that it is filled with many burdens. There are many here that have physical burdens, uh, whether it's um, some chronic illness or um, some terminal illness or something like that, physical pain. Others have emotional burdens, loss of loved ones and different family burdens and situations, while others still have spiritual burdens, friends and family that have not trusted Christ as their Savior, or maybe a family member that's away from from the Lord, or maybe even something personal in your own life, spiritual life and walk with God. And and yet some of you are sitting here thinking, well, pastor, I have all three of those in my life right now. And the truth is, is life can be very heavy. You know, if I were to, to pick this Bible up, um, I'm not the strongest person in the room, but you know, I could, I could pick this Bible up and, and hold it. And if I were to hold it out like this, um, I could hold it for a little while. Um, but the reality is, is after a certain time, you would notice that my arm would begin to maybe slowly go down because of the weight. And sometimes a burden starts off. It's not that big of a deal. But because we hold on to it, and we keep it to ourselves, and we try to deal with it in our own power, our own strength, it's kind of like the weight of, of this Bible, for a while, I could stand here and hold it. Maybe for quite some time, I can deal with it. But eventually, the weight of this will cause me to, to weaken and to strain. And you'd see my arm begin to drop, and eventually, I wouldn't be able to hold it up. So you take this same Bible, and maybe you take my iPad or something else and, or a hymnal, and you put it on there, and, and guess what? I can hold it for a while. But not nearly as long as I could if I was just holding this Bible. And eventually, you would see that. And the more that you pile on, the quicker you would see me cave to the weight. And so true is our life. Life is filled with these burdens, and we oftentimes try to deal with them in our own power, and our own strength, and we We struggle. And so you find people that, you know, they just want to give up on church and family and just life and, and it's, just, it's not worth it anymore. And so you find people um, that are depressed and, and discouraged in life. And this, this same situation has been happening throughout history. In the first century, life was very similar to ours. It had many of the same issues. There, were, there was political unrest. In the days in which Christ walked this earth, and many of the people were looking for the Messiah, not understanding that Jesus was the one that God had promised, and there was all of this political unrest and they were just wanting wanting to be rescued from it. Many in our society are so consumed with the burdens that we see politically and they just they just want to be free and and to to be taken from this burden that we Find ourselves in. Many in that day just fought for, for survival. People lived daily to survive, and many of them found themselves struggling to, to take care of their families and just to provide the, the daily necessities of, of life. And so, in this time, Jesus used metaphors that would resonate with the hearers of his day. And so, he said things like, I am the water. Not only am I the water, but I'm better than the water that you have. I am the living water that gives eternal life. And if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Water was precious in the sight of those in that first century time frame. He says, I am light. Why are you walking in the darkness of this world, just trudging around, not knowing where you're going or what you're trying to accomplish, just wandering in the darkness? I am the light of this world. He says, I am the bread, and I can satisfy your hunger like no other. Here in John 10, Jesus is going to use another metaphor that would help the people of his day, and he tells them, I am the good shepherd, and they would have an understanding, obviously, in their culture of the relationship between the sheep and, and the shepherd, and they would know all that went into that relationship, and, and they would have some pictures in their mind. But remember that Jesus is writing to the Jewish people. They, these are people that knew the Old Testament, and, and, and God had used descriptions after description of himself as the shepherd and, as, and his people as the sheep. Throughout the Old Testament, God refers to himself as the shepherd. It was in Genesis chapter 48 that Jacob, on his deathbed, summarized his life, and he declared that God had been his shepherd all of his life to this day. In Isaiah chapter 53, God reminds us that That uh, his people are sheep and we're very much like um, sheep and many times God uses this in a negative connotation as sheep are not only dependent creatures but they're not uh, the most intelligent, they're prone to wander and this analogy would be fitting for the nation of Israel even for many in the first century as it showed the helplessness of his people. In Ezekiel, we see the contrast between the bad shepherds of the day, Israel's leaders and the good shepherd that is is God. It was in Jeremiah 31 and in Micah 5 that God uses this imagery of the sheep talking about the future shepherd that will come, speaking of his Messiah. So when Jesus makes this statement uh, as being the good shepherd, they would know that Jesus himself is claiming to be God. And basically what Christ is telling them, remember when God told you all of this, when God talked about the shepherd and the sheep, what you need to know is, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the one that can care for you and take care of your burdens and guide you and provide for you. And the truth is, life can be lighter and we can deal with the burdens that we face on a daily basis. And I'm not saying they're going to be taken away, but we can deal with the burdens that we face on a daily basis and not be weighed down if we would realize that Jesus is the good shepherd. And that's why Christ himself tells us to bring our burdens, bring our burdens unto him. You know, it's great to have people in our life. I'm so grateful for my family um, to walk through life with and to have a wife that can encourage me and that I can encourage and, and share the, the burdens of life. But you know what? She can't deal with them and help me the way that Jesus can. So grateful for a church. It's time we get together and worship and fellowship. And and, and listen, it makes life so much sweeter to be a part of a local body of believers that love Christ and love me and and, want to encourage me in my walk with God. But you know what? It's not the same. It's not the same as Jesus. And I know that, you know, life brings burdens. But Jesus is a good shepherd that wants to bear your burdens. And so God uses this imagery to help us. And this morning, I want to point out three three points from this passage on Jesus being the good shepherd that I I just hope will be a, a help and an encouragement to you in this life, in the days to come, in the years to come that God gives us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. And I pray that we would understand the truths from John chapter 10 and and we would apply them to our life as we learn. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would convict us and help us today. And Father, where we struggle with burdens and letting them go, I pray, Lord, that we would realize who Jesus is and the help that he wants to give us. And Father, help us to just find peace and comfort and joy in Christ, even in the midst of, of the burdens that we have in this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse number one, he says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. And I want you to realize that his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. The first point I want to bring to your attention is the idea of relationship. The the shepherd and the sheep have a relationship. And that's one pivotal aspect of this imagery that God gives us and we need to understand. Now there's a couple of important concepts that we see right off the bat. First of all, Jesus talks about the door. And the sheepfold. And a couple of times here in these first few verses, he introduces this concept of of the door. You have to come in, verse 2, by the door. And so we see that going on. In verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The parable, or this metaphor, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And so Jesus introduces this idea of the door and coming into the sheepfold and being a part of basically the sheep family, or we could say the family of God. And so notice what he says to them in verse number seven, after they, he introduces this concept. The Bible says they don't understand, but Jesus says to them again, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus makes it very clear to them, I am the door, and anyone can come into the the sheepfold. And here's what Christ is trying to get across to them and what he's trying to get across to us today is that anyone can come and be a part of the sheepfold, but Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. He tells us here that all other ways are like thieves and robbers. He says, all the, that ever came before me are thieves, verse 8, and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. But the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Gee. Excuse me, Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. Verse 8 is uh, referring to the religious leaders of the day, these Pharisees and Sadducees that are leading people astray. And Jesus says, Listen, you can follow them and you can follow their religion, but all they're going to do is lead you to destruction. But notice the simplicity in verse 8 I am the door. If any man enters, he shall be what? He shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to receive salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way for us to have a relationship with with God and he's trying to get them to understand they've been following the the religious system of the day and Christ and they've been looking for the Messiah and Christ has said listen I am he I am the one and and if you want to have a relationship with God it's only going to happen through me later on he's going to tell them in John 14 I am the way the truth and the life guess what no man cometh unto God no man cometh unto the father but By me, all throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus keeps saying, I am, I am, I am, I am the way. I am the way to have your sins forgiven. I am the way for you to have a relationship with God. Not the religious systems, not your good works, not your personality, not your abilities. No other way can a man be saved but through Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven whereby men must be or can be saved. Jesus is the door. He is the way. And you can be saved through Jesus. But also he says here in these verses, he will also be provided for by the shepherd. Having, having pasture gives us this picture. And we'll come back to that thought in just a moment. But he says there, everything else will use and abuse and destroy you whatever other way you're trying to get to god it's not going to happen and yet so many people are blinded by their good works blinded by religious systems blinded by other ways created by men and jesus keeps telling them over and over understand who i am and understand why i came understand what i have done for you and so he says to their these concepts i am the door I am the door, and then he says, I am the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd that will give his life. As you continue to read through these um, passages, verse number 11, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the, the sheep. And Jesus is the shepherd that will give his life. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is saying here that any good shepherd, that any good shepherd, like maybe David back in the Old Testament would give his life for the sheep, um, you know, I, when you read the description of a, of a sheep and, and um, you know, and, uh, they would have their herds and their flocks and they would do everything they could to protect them from the wolves. But I tend to believe that if it was either David or one of the sheep, David might just say, you can have that one because I'm just going to protect these others and live to fight another day. But what Jesus is teaching them is about what's going to happen here in maybe five or six months. You see, there's no other shepherd that would die, but the good shepherd would give his life, and Christ is about to, about to do that. Jesus is teaching them that the good shepherd of the Old Testament that God had promised is here, and he's going to give his life for them. He also goes on to tell us that Jesus is the shepherd, and he knows you if you are If you're his, look with me there, verse number 12. uh, 12. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. He says, The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling and careth not for the sheep. But he says, I am again the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known of mine. This is a, a personal relationship. Jesus has. Now I'm not a shepherd, never have even thought about being a shepherd, um, but I own a dog. That's about the closest thing I got um, to being a shepherd. And I will be honest with you, I am not a a dog person, all right? I know some of you are tuning me out right now. You don't want to hear anything else I said because I made that statement. I'm not a cat person, definitely, Um, but I'm not really a pet person, and, um, and I like the stuffed animals. They're the best. Um, you know, I don't have to pay for anybody to watch them when I go out of town or anything like that, or, you know, I don't have to worry about feeding them or taking them outside or anything. I'm just not a, I'm not a pet person, but we do have a dog, and his, his name is Max, and uh, Max is probably the smartest dog that I've ever owned, and um, he, he is, he is a great dog, and, um, you know, if you were to come to my house, And um, Max would jump all over, and for about five minutes, he'd go insane, like just wanting to be on you and jump on you, and I'd constantly be yelling at him and to get down and pulling him away, and and eventually, he'd get to know you a little bit, and then he um, he would stop doing that. But you know, when I walk in the house, he doesn't do it. When my family walks in the house, he doesn't do it. Like, he knows us, he's excited to see us, and he runs up, but he doesn't jump all over us for the most part, and he comes, and he, he's, his ta- tail's wagging, and he's there to see us. There's a difference between you and me. He knows the difference. There's a personal relationship. You know, I don't have much to do with the dog, but when I'm sitting there on, on the chair or on the couch, he'll come in, and he'll lay right by my feet, and just lay right there. And just, the, he's, just he's just peaceful, and he just goes to sleep. And I don't even like the dog, all right? And... Um, You know, but he'll just come, and and there's this relationship that we have, all right? You know, he knows that he's going to be fed. He knows that he's going to be taken care of. We have a a little bell by our back door, and Max will go over, and he'll ding the bell, and and that means he wants to go outside. And uh, my wife did a great job training him to do that. And uh, it's funny because sometimes Max will go over there and ring the bell, and I won't get up fast enough. And he's just like my kids. He's very impatient. All of a sudden, you'll hear ding, ding. And then he'll sit there and wait. And then all of a sudden, I've literally heard ding, 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 ding. Like, hey, get off the couch and come open the door for me, all right? And like, I mean, but he knows what to do. And we have this, we have this relationship. He knows that we're, we're his family. Max has gotten out before. And uh, he comes, runs, and he, he got out the back gate. And next thing I know, I go out there and I'm calling for him. He's not there. And I go to the front door and there he is looking in the window trying to get in. You know, he knows there's this, there's this familiarity. Uh, there's this comfort that he has with us. There's this protection that he has with us. And really, this is the same type of idea. Um, you know, we're not even as smart as dogs are. We're as dumb as sheep are. But this is the picture that God is that has God, God has given us He knows us and we're known of him but you know what for as much as I don't really care about dogs or about my dog I like your dogs even less all right <laughs> I mean I like I like your dogs even less and you know I could care even less about them you know but I make sure Max' is taken care of and I know him and you know I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let him in and I'm going to make sure he has food or my wife's going to make sure he has food and and water and all of that and we have this this familiarity this relationship that we have you know, when you hear stories about dogs who get taken somewhere and and then they make their way home and stuff like that, there's that just that relationship. And really this is a, that's a great picture of what God is telling us here. What Jesus is telling us, I am the good shepherd. I know you and and you know me. This is this personal relationship that we have with one another. Number 2 then, beyond our relationship with the shepherd, we see the provision. We see the Provision, you know, he tells us that he is the way to God. He first of all provides the door uh, through salvation. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. And then we see here in verse number, uh, verse number fourteen: "I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known." of mine and he talks about here how they hear his voice just a few verses ago and this idea of of peace and comfort when you hear his voice and and you're just familiar in his presence but he also then provides the things that we that we need as the father knoweth me even so know I the father and i lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be uh, one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life and I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received. Of my father and so we see here that Christ provides for us what we need he provides for us eternal life he provides for us peace and comfort um, you know when you stop and think about the scripture and and how God describes his relationship with us he tells us that he knows the sparrows and what they need and he provides for them how much more is he going to care for us, But probably with this passage in mind, one of the greatest passages that we go back to when we think about shepherds and sheep is Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. And just think through that passage with me for a moment. I shall not want. That means I will, I will not go without. God will provide that which I need in my life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, or He provides pasture for me to eat. He provides still, wa- still water, not just water, but the still water for me be- to be able to drink. And then He restores our soul. You know, we spend our life expending our soul. You know, one of the greatest issues in our society today is the busyness of our life. Some people are just so busy and they work themselves up into a frenzy just going, going, going. And we kind of have this mindset like if we don't, if we don't do it, it's not going to happen and if we, we have to get this done. And listen, some things just, just don't need to happen. Some things you just need to maybe take a break. And, uh, but the picture here is that you know we're expending our soul but we need our, st- our soul to be restored. And how do we do that? We need to spend time with the Lord we need to spend time with him and have our soul restored you know sometimes we kind of justify it because it's ministry like I'm serving and I'm giving and I'm doing and I'm helping other people and and next thing you know we're worn out and people have quit and people have died and people have given up because they're just so overwhelmed by serving and giving and people are pulling at them and sometimes you just you just need to take a break and really the idea is daily we should take a break. But, you know, as we go through the Bible, we see God gives the Sabbath for a day of rest and, and, and being restored. And that principle is still needed for our lives today. But it should be something that, we, that we're spending time with Him. We're being fed by the, the shepherd. He goes on in that passage and He tells us He'll walk with us and we will not fear evil. He doesn't say there won't be evil. He says that we will find comfort even in the midst of these struggles. In the middle of the battles, he tells us that he'll prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So in the middle of the battles, we can even have feasts. And then as that, ver- that chapter ends, he says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because he is the shepherd He is the shepherd. Life will not be without its troubles and without its trials, but we'll have a shepherd that will walk with us. And we see all of those teachings through Psalm 23. Coming back to John chapter 10, we see he provides these things that we need in life to encourage us and to help us, but he also provides abundant life. In verse 10, he tells us, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Can I tell you today that God's life is the best life for me? What do I mean by that? We have books and articles and things titled Your Best Life Now. Can I tell you your best life now is not a health and wealth and prosperity gospel? You know, there's no better situation for you to be where God wants you to be. There's no better situation than where God wants you to be. And when we're living the life that God has called us to, and he's walking with us, guess what? We're going to go through the valleys of the shadow of death. We're going to go through some situations and some trials and difficulties, but what we can't do is allow those things to weigh us down and to overcome us and to consume us, what we have to do is take our burdens to the shepherd who wants to help us. A lot of people are always looking for the next thing and what's better. And, 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 and we kind of lose sight of where we are right now. And we're never satisfied with what God has given us or where he has called us to. But listen, if God has called you to it and God has called you here, this is the best place for you to be. God has called you to be the mother that you are, or the father. God, be the best one that you can because this is where God has called you. God has called you to be the child that you are or the student that you are or the employee that you are. Listen, this is where God has called you to be. And guess what? Every one of those relationships deals with sinful people and they're all gonna have their problems and difficulties. But if this is where God has called you, that's what's best for you. But what we kind of have in our mind is, hey, listen, when I got up this morning, it was 16 degrees outside. All right. Do not amen, Doug. All right. (laughs) I was thinking, man, it would be great to be in Costa Rica right now. I'm just going to be honest. Probably like 82 degrees, no humidity, nice waves. I mean, in the beaches, it's just I mean, hey, listen, I'll take Miami at this point. I mean, good night. You know, I mean, it would be amazing to be, you know, somewhere where it's like 85 degrees outside. The golf courses are open and nice and sunny and, you know, and all that stuff. But you know what, that's not where God has us. He has us here in Anderson, Indiana. And you know what, we think, wow, it would be so much better there. But you know what we would do? We'd go there and we'd complain about the humidity in Miami. And we'd complain about the hurricane that just came through or that's about to come through. And and listen, everywhere has its problems. Everywhere has its difficulties. And the best place for me to be is where God has called me to be. He has called, come to give us life, (laughs) eternal life, spiritual life, that we'll ha- we have in Jesus Christ. But he's also called to give us abundant life. What we, what we need to do is be satisfied with what God has called me to be. You know what? God didn't call me to be Ron Halbert. God didn't call me to be Doug Stein. God didn't call me to be Mark Sherwin. He called me to be Daniel Stevens. And I'm grateful that I'm none of those guys, all right? Just be honest, all right? I'm just, I'm just kidding. But God has not called me to be them, and sometimes we look at other people's lives and situations and we're, we're so consumed with what we don't have and what they have comparing ourselves and we can't be satisfied with wh- who we are. Hey, listen, I'm so grateful for who I am in Christ and all that he's blessed me with and given me. Hey, could I have more money? Sure, I could have more money. Could I have you know, nicer things? Sure, I could. Could I have better health? Yeah, sure, I could. But that's not what God called me to do. And you know what? I'm going to trust in him that my life is the life he wanted me to have. And I'm grateful for it and I have abundant life not because of the material things of this world or because of the friends that I have or don't have or the people that like me or don't like me but because Jesus is my shepherd and I'm walking through this life with him he provides, then he tells us here, he provides salvation, not just for the Jews, but he is speaking about the Gentiles that will have the blessing of salvation. He says, other, other sheep I have that are going to come into the fold. And he's giving them this imagery of the church and what's about to happen after he goes to the cross. And so he's telling them, remember way back in the book of Genesis, I promised Abraham that I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations, guess what? That's going to come to fruition here. In just a little while, when I go to the cross and I offer salvation to all who will receive, the sheep can have a relationship with God through the good shepherd that is Jesus Christ. And he provides for us as his sheep daily what we need. Not just eternal life, but life abundantly. You know, the world today, they have all their advertisements. Hey, and listen, there's young people in here today. You think, like, listen, living the Christian life might be boring and just outdated because you're watching, like, the news media and the commercials, and you think, man, that's so exciting. But listen, all of that wickedness and sinfulness leads to destruction. We need to come to the place in our life where we realize that true life, abundant life, comes from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and walking with him. And Satan uses the bright lights of this world to deceive and destroy. And don't let that happen to you. Get your eyes off of reality. But we see that God provides for us. The good shepherd provides. But I want to bring your attention as we finish up here to verses 19 through 21. And we see the conflict. And this happens with almost every, every spiritual truth, every reality. The Bible says, There was a division, therefore, again, among the Jews for these saints. And many of them said, He hath the devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? You know, anytime the gospel is preached, and anytime somebody's trying to live for God and follow the good shepherd, there is conflict. Some will believe, and some will doubt. Some will say this is true, and others will say it is not. But you get this group of people that they, they want it their way, and in their flesh, and in their selfishness, they say, this guy, he can't be real. He must be a devil but there's others that say no one can do what Christ can do. Can anybody open the eyes of the blind? Can anyone open the ears of the deaf? Can anybody heal the sick? Can anybody give eternal life? And there's a conflict. And you know, I was thinking about it this week. Every time, every time you read your Bible, every time you come to church and hear a message or maybe a Sunday school lesson or you listen to a podcast where biblical truth is presented. There's there's a conflict. You can either choose to believe it, or you can choose to doubt it. And for some reason, many doubt because they're blinded by their own selfishness, their own sinfulness. the the The, the devil blinds their eyes. But even believers, oftentimes find themselves presented with spiritual truth and you know what we in our flesh we want to live the way we want we want to do what we want and so we're blinded to the truth to the reality listen when we're presented with biblical truth we need to come with open hearts and open minds and understanding that listen Jesus is the good shepherd and he wants what's best for us And we're just simply to follow and trust him. Listen, it's not the sheep's job to argue. Well, I don't like this verse, so I'm not going to do it. I don't like the life that I'm living, and so I'm not happy with it. We're simply to come and trust, knowing that he knows what's best for us and cares for us and has provided everything from salvation to the things that we need on a daily basis. He's the good shepherd. And that's what he's presenting here to these First century readers, and he's presented to us, hey, listen, I'm the good shepherd, and I've made a way for you to come to the Father. And listen, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, there's no other way to have your sins forgiven. There's no other way to have a relationship with God. As Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door where the sheep can enter in. There's no other way. But for those of us that are Christians, listen, I don't know what you're going through in life, what struggles you have, but you have a good shepherd, that wants to bear your burdens, and help you, and protect you, and guide you. And we need to come to him. Sometimes it means we need to get over ourselves. Sometimes we need to confess sin. Sometimes we need to just rest, and take a break, and spend time with him. But whatever it is, realize he is a good shepherd that cares for you.